Hear uh, the word of the Lord from Genesis 6, beginning with verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And now hear from Romans 3, uh, beginning with verse 9. What then, are we any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Their throats are open graves. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, by now, we've, we've mentioned this in our prayer already, but by now you surely all know about what happened in Charleston on Wednesday night. Uh, a man, and let's not call him a kid as sometimes we are wont to do uh, with people in their early 20s. A uh, man, uh, he's responsible for his own actions, walked into the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church He sat down for an hour among people who had gathered um, just to study the Bible together. That's what they were there to do. And he sat with them. And then at the end of the Bible study, he got up and he unleashed an unimaginable horror and left nine people who had done him no wrong dead. And why did he do it? Why did he do it? He told them. He told them why he did it. He said, you rape our women and you're taking over our country and you have to go. That's what he said. And later pictures came out of this man, Dylan Roof, and on his face was this scowl. And on the jacket that he was wearing were flags of uh, Rhodesia and South Africa, uh, apartheid um, regimes, and uh, white supremacist regimes. I'm sure there's more to learn still about Ruth's twisted motivations and about his bent psyche. No doubt of that. But let's name, let's name his actions for what they are. They're racism, murder, terrorism. Above all, church, let's, let's name those actions for how God sees them. Evil, sin. An assault on God, an assault on people made in the image of God. That's what happened on Wednesday night. That's what happens every day all over the world by human beings. I think we have to ask ourselves in a a world where Dylan Roof and the twisted thoughts of his mind can exist, don't we have to acknowledge the truth? of what we read in Genesis 6-5, that 
Uh, The Lord saw the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. Is there any other explanation for how something, something so apart from the mind and the intent of God could possibly happen? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, and I know I even think to myself when I heard what I just say, uh, surely not me. I'm a good person. Uh, we live in a good society. We've made a lot of progress, and, and we have made a lot of progress in a lot of ways. But you know what? People have been saying that for thousands and thousands of years. And people have always wanted to think, well, you know, we're not, we're not so bad. We're pretty good. That's the, that's the approach of many a philosopher. John Wesley points out in, in his sermon, Original Sin. By the way, just to remind you, we are revisiting over the next several weeks um, sermons that John Wesley gave. Uh, we're taking the, the titles and the themes of his sermons, uh, and I'm just sort of updating them, telling them anew. So, Original Sin, the sermon title today, that was a sermon that John Wesley preached, preaching on the same scripture he did. I was planning to preach this this week already. It just so happens we had this dreadful example of it. Um, Wesley says, you know, people have always, people have always thought favorably of themselves. And, And the way you would hear some philosophers describe it, you would think that human beings were little inferior to God himself. And Wesley says, of course we want to think that. Who doesn't want to think favorably of himself? Our ears want to hear people tell us, oh, you're such, you know, you're a good person. You're basically good. You've heard people say that, right? Human beings are basically good. Well, not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, human beings are evil. That's the, even though we were made in the image of God, even though God made the earth and, and saw human beings and declared uh, the creation that he made to be very good, that we have gone astray from what God has created us to be. And so now, from the very moment of our conception, to, to use language, uh, David's language, we have uh, been corrupted. And so that even though God made us to be good, uh, we are inescapably evil. That's what, uh, that's what we mean by the Christian doctrine of original sin. You have to believe that, Wesley says. It's in the Bible. If you don't believe that, you might as well jettison your scriptures. And that's offensive to us. That's offensive to us. We don't like to be told that we're sinners. And we especially don't like to be told that uh, we're sinners like someone as evil and twisted as Dylan Roof. But original sin teaches us that. The doctrine of original sin teaches us that we cannot escape our collective responsibility for evil. That's not to say that we don't individually commit sins that we are responsible for, but original sin teaches us that we are all part of that pollution, that that corruption, that we are born sinners, that we are in a system of brokenness and evil that is inescapable apart from the grace of God. I understand all that is apart from the grace of God. And the grace of God can make us new, and we'll get there in a minute. But before we jump to grace, let's, I mean, let's really flesh it out. Let's understand the condition that we are in as human beings. The way, the way Wesley approaches this in his sermon, Original Sin, uh, is to look at human beings before the flood 
and their condition between Adam and the flood, to, to ask, are we any different now? And then to ask, well, and he says, no, we're not any different now. And then he says, well, what do we do with that? What does that tell us? What does, we, what does that tell us about um, what it means for us to claim the name of Christ? So that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. The scripture, uh, Genesis 6-5, that is right before uh, God uh, is going to flood the earth. And just to revisit it, uh, the Lord saw the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Everyone partakes of the guilt before the flood. Noah alone and perhaps some of his household are found in favor with God, but we're not told they're, they're sinless. And we see Noah's sin right after the flood uh, is over, in fact. Um, God sees what's going on. You know, a lot of us think, uh, and I've latched onto that word see as I've read this and thought about this this week. Um, a lot of people think that God doesn't see. Uh, but Genesis 6-5 tells us that God sees. God sees all the wickedness on earth, the things that we're actually doing that are wicked. And not only does he see the wickedness on earth, he sees the inclination of the thoughts of the heart. And he says that they are only evil continually. God sees. Some of us think in, uh, when no one's around that no one will see the wrong that we do, that we won't get caught. And that if we can get away with it, get away with it. Genesis would have us know that God sees. God sees what we're about. And in fact, God sees before we've actually performed the action. God knows what we're planning to do. God knows the, the thoughts of our minds themselves. You can't escape God's sight. That's what Genesis tells us. And you know, uh, some of us think, especially those who have been victims of sin, we wonder if God sees. Does God see the wrong that's been done to me? Does God see what's happening, what happened in Charleston? Does God see the, the evil that happens in our own lives and in our own community week by week? Does God see or understand or care what's going on? Genesis tells us God sees. God sees and God will respond. God will respond. What does God see when he looks into uh, the state of human beings before the flood. Um, Wesley points out two things. Uh, God sees that the inclinations of the heart are only to evil in that continually. Only to evil. Sometimes we say, oh, you know, we're half good, half bad. Only to evil. Only to evil, apart from the grace of God. And some people say, oh, you know, we do wrong here and there, but not all the time. Wesley points out that the passage says only to evil and that continually. You keep on doing it. All we think about is evil and we do it all the time, apart from the grace of God. That's what, that's what the situation is, so says the Bible. We might not like it. We might not like to hear that, but that's what it says. Um, well, are we any different now? Are we any different now than those before the flood? And Wesley points out that Scripture tells us that we're not any different now. I mean, just keep, keep going reading in your Bible. You're going to see a lot of sins after the flood. Uh, he points out that David in Psalm 14 um, says this, 
Fools say in their heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. You know, we like to take that little phrase, the fool says in his heart there's no God. And we say, oh, those silly atheists, they think that there's no God. What the passage is actually telling us is that we all are, are without the grace of God. We're all atheists. We all act like God isn't there and that we can do whatever the heck it is that we want to do. There, are, there is no one who does good. In effect, we're all atheists. That's what he's saying. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise who seek after God. They've all gone astray. They are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. We're not any different than those before the flood. That's what David would have us to know. Everyone is, by our deeds, an atheist. Psalm 51 that we read a moment ago, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. There's something deeply wrong with human beings that was apart from the intent of God so that we are responsible for the wrongness in our lives. And we're blind to this. We think we're not that bad. You might be thinking, I'm not that bad. We're blind to it until God opens up the eyes of our heart. In Ephesians 2.12, we read that, um, and Paul tells the, the Ephesians that at one time we were all without God and hopeless. Without God. And the, what gets translated as without God is in the Greek, atheoi in cosmu. Literally, that is atheists in the world. Without God in the world. All of us were like that at one point before God opens our eyes and gives us grace to see our condition. But when we see it, when we see it because of God's grace, we can recognize it for what it is. And without grace, we don't see it. Without grace, we don't see it. Wesley gives the example of an infant. Take a kid, raise that kid up, don't tell him anything about God. Is that kid going to follow God? Of course not. Some of us have this sort of romantic notion, no, children are so sweet. Children have this inherent knowledge of God. Wesley says that's garbage. Um, and those of you who have little kids, I mean, kids are selfish and they don't know how to do right. They have to be taught. They have to be taught. We as human beings have to be instructed in what is right. Our eyes aren't open until uh, the grace of God through teaching comes into our lives. So we're all basically atheists apart from that, that gift. We, won't, we don't believe. But that doesn't stop us, ironically, uh, he points out, from being idolaters. We are both atheists and idolaters before the grace of Christ. We set up idols in our hearts. The main idol in our lives is ourselves, Wesley points out. And we see that in three ways. One, pride. I mean, who doesn't uh, know of the sin of pride in his or her own life? Pride where we value ourselves above others. Self-will, where we think that we can do whatever it is that we want to do just because we decided to do it. It's a free country. I'll do what I want. Right? Uh, Jessica has a phrase that I love. She says, people do what they want. People do what they want. That's true. That's true. Self-will. Self-will. I decided to do it. I'm going to do it. No regard to what God might have to say about it. That's how we behave. 
And then what's he says, leaving even Satan behind. In other words, we do worse than Satan himself because we love the world. We love, we are, are slaves to our sensual appetites. Um, we care about our belly, right? Uh, we care about um, whatever it is that we are, well, we, we just become enslaved to, to the material things of the world. Wesley says this, um, sensual appetites, even those of the lowest kind, have more or less dominion over a person. They lead him captive, drag him to and fro, in spite of his boasted reason. The man, with all his good breeding and other accomplishments, has no preeminence over the goat. Wesley says, we're no better than goats. That's, I mean, that's funny. Come on. Uh, you know what a goat does? A goat just goes eating everything. It doesn't care. It's slave to its appetite. And Wesley says, we're like that. We're just slaves to our appetites. And if you doubt that, just delve into your mind a little bit. And we all have we've received grace in our lives. That's a sermon that's coming. So don't, don't worry about that. That'll get preached. You've heard it preached before. Through grace, we, and we can look in our lives and we, we sort of know that. Um, I mean, who can abide by Jesus' teaching against lust? Jesus says uh, that you don't have to actually commit adultery to commit adultery. If you've lusted in your heart, it's as good as committing adultery. I mean, every, that indicts everyone, every single human being, everyone. Um, you can apply that to other things as well. It's not just uh, sexual lust. It's lust for money. Um, greed. Who, you might not have stolen anything. Have you ever been greedy? Everyone's, everyone is guilty of that. Every single person is guilty of that. Uh, we're all, and that's just, it's just as bad. It just as much um, is a sin against God. To think on what has happened this week, uh, have you ever had a racist thought? Yeah, I've had a racist thought. We should confess that and be honest about it. Um, it's not, it's a sin. Now, we, we might not have oppressed anyone specifically or acted on that thought, but most of us have had some thought like that in our minds. That's every human being. That's part of human nature. We are uh, inclined uh, to go with those who are more like us than others. Um, but pretty much every human being on earth who has encountered someone of a different race uh, has uh, had a racist thought. Some human beings, because of societal situations, have more power to enforce that racism than others. But most all of us, most all of us, have had a racist thought. You see that too um, in the way that we go after what's new. We want bigger and better and newer. And even if your possessions don't lead you that way, our experiences lead us that way too. Now, some of y'all might not, this might not apply to those of you who are on Facebook. Have you ever been there and you, you like refresh, refresh, refresh because you want news, you want, to, you want new things? Or have you ever been on eBay or one of those sites that's refresh, 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 refresh? Um, we want newness, we want stimulation. Uh, there's no end to our appetites. I had this great professor at State, an uh, international relations professor named Krish Bansali, and he would always ask us, is there anything uh, that human beings can get enough of? And he says, no, there is not. 
He has this wonderful Indian accent. He says, no, we can never get enough. We can never get enough in our natural state apart from the grace of Christ. And we love praise, don't we? That's the other way that we know that we follow after our sensual appetites. We love it when people say, you're great. You know, you're just the best. We, that's what we want to hear. And we care more about the opinions of our other people than we care about the opinion of God. That's just how we are because we are infected with sin. What do we do with that? What do we do with it? What do we do with this? undeniable reality that sin is in everything we touch. Um, You can call it original sin. The other doctrine that goes with that is called total depravity. In other words, we are completely gone. The only thing we think about is evil and that continually. And even the good things that we do before the grace of God, they are corrupt. Um, That uh, sin is intermixed in everything that we're doing so that they're not pleasing to God apart from God's grace. Wesley says this is a difference between a Christian and somebody who's not a Christian. Christians know that they're sinners. Christians confess, in fact, that that's true. The heathen will say, oh, well, you know, we're a mix of good and bad and this. Christians say we are sinners. Well, that's uncomfortable for us because sometimes we like to think that sin is like something that other people do over there and we're nice, good, polite Christians and we're good citizens and that kind of thing. Sin is something that people out there do. We should know that that is something we do ourselves. And sometimes, sometimes we say, oh, well, you know, I'm a sinner because the doctrine has taught us that and we know we're supposed to say it, but we can't think, we haven't actually searched our heart to ask, uh, how have I sinned today? The call, the call of this reality is that we would pray for the grace of God to open up our, our eyes and our hearts to the things that we are doing wrong. And the other thing that original sin teaches us is that this sickness of sin, um, this pollution of sin is um, everywhere, that we can't escape from it, that our own actions are, are a part of it. And we need grace and repentance to relieve us of that. Think about what happened this week. The very fact that there is an African Methodist Episcopal Church um, is because of a previous sin of our predecessors in this denomination. In 1787, uh, at St. George's uh, Methodist Church in Philadelphia, I have a friend who used to live right next to that church when we lived in Philly. Um, if you've ever seen The Sixth Sense, that movie, you know the, the red door, the, the boy knocks, that's St. George's. In 1787, uh, the black Methodists that were a part of that church uh, had been limited to the balcony. They had to sit in the balcony. They couldn't sit with everybody else. Well, some of those uh, folks went down to pray at the altar, and as they were praying at the altar, including some of the commissioned preachers from the Methodist church, they were picked up off their knees while they were praying until they couldn't pray there. I mean, come on. And we all want to say, well, man, that was a long time ago. Uh, And it was a long time ago, but we, that history follows on. That's the thing about sin. Original sin tells us that sin has a history. That is taught to someone else and transmitted to someone else, and we inherit the institutions that followed after that, and we involve ourselves in them. 
And that it's inescapable. It's inescapable that was there. If you think about the, the history of the Emmanuel uh, AME Church itself in South Carolina, uh, for 30 years between 1834 and 1865, they weren't allowed to meet because black Christians weren't allowed to meet without white supervision. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? that We would keep people from worshiping God together because uh, people at that time uh, loved their security and loved their wealth more than they loved people made in the image of God. Yet that history goes on. That history goes on. Uh, Dylan uh, Roof didn't wake up in the morning and just all of a sudden decide to be a racist. Somebody taught him that. He got that idea from somewhere. Um, original sin tells us that sin just doesn't stop with one person. It gets taught and transmitted and passed on. And not just racism, right? This goes way beyond just that. That's true of everything. That's true of all of our sins. They affect people who aren't just us. And so whenever we see sin in the world, we should recognize that uh, even if it seems distant and unrelated to us, that we too have sinned, we've taught others to sin, and we've kept that transmission of sin going on in our world. But, but, what we... What we confess as Christians is that even though we are sinners, even though we are sinners, that the grace of God has been given to us to open our eyes and open our hearts and transform us. And we have to, to know the depths of our sin if we are to understand the uh, heights of the grace of Christ. If we don't know how deeply it is that we have gone astray, then we won't understand what a great gift it is that we have been given. And the promise, the promise of the gospel, is that Christ has come to heal us who are diseased by sin. And not just an outward reformation, but a transformation of who you are. And not just behavior modification where we pretend to be good, but the gospel born anew in our lives so that we can become a new creation, that we can be transformed. And that's what it is. That's what it is to hear and follow Christ, to latch on to that grace that enables us before, we couldn't choose good or evil, but the grace of Christ enables us to choose good. And the grace of Christ enables us to be forgiven. And the grace of Christ enables us as a church to be the place where God's grace comes to us and makes us new. My prayer for all of us is that uh, we would take seriously the depths of our sin. And taking seriously the depths of our sin, that we would know how rich the grace of God is that makes us new. Let's pray. Lord, we confess.